everyone, and welcome to episode 102 of the Retrospectors podcast, Professor Layton and the Curious Village. My name is Patrick Arthur, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, James Turlings. James, this may be the first true puzzle game that we've done for this podcast so far, or do you think that those other point-and-click adventure games we've done count as well? Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? We've been looking for a puzzle game to do for, like, you know, the last four years or something. Um, I'm very excited to talk about this one because we finally get to... It's rare that we get to cover a new genre this far into the show, right? Yeah, and people may be, you know, grabbing their pitchforks at us calling it a new genre. And it probably isn't strictly a new genre. Like, I do think that those point-and-click adventure games are puzzle games. I just think, broadly speaking, the gameplay in them is not very good. <laughs> um, and I think that is a distinction that we should should bring up because so we've done blade runner and siberia and i think for both of those games the gameplay was far and away the weakest portion of the game uh they, they delivered in spades in atmosphere and exploration and sense of place but where they dramatically failed was the whole puzzle game aspect mm. yeah definitely i mean i think both of those games did a great job of you know having a cool atmosphere and you know setting of course for both of them um but the old like if i try this item on these 30 different things one of them has to be right thing kind of gets uh, a bit tedious a bit quickly but i did quite like sabira i probably will play this the next few games at some point um but this game it's different right because there's a there's a density of you know self-contained puzzles here that it just isn't present in those games yeah it's a far more modern take on the puzzle design genre and you and i both love modern puzzle games so i'm glad that we're finally getting into you know with as the years pass we can we can reach back um to more modern titles essentially and uh we basically waited we were able to play professor layton by waiting four years so I'm glad we've got an opportunity to dabble in these more modern puzzle games and I guess talk about what I think works about them when compared to the older mm. ones. So for those who have never listened to us before, um, James and I make up the Retrospectors podcast and what we do each and every three weeks is we play a classic game of the past with the intention of reviewing it from a modern perspective. We're not here to understand and appreciate these games in the context in which they are produced. Uh, thus, our harsh critiques of those puzzle games that we just mentioned. It's not about how good they were or how unique they were or if they were the only thing available at the time. We're taking a look at these games from a modern perspective. So we simply want to know how good these games are in and of themselves when you put them side by side, any of the brilliant options that are available today. Uh, if you'd like to hear more of our stuff, you can find all of our content on our website, which is rspodcast.net. And if you'd like to support us even further, maybe at the end of the show, once you've had a chance to judge us, you can check out our Buy Me A Coffee page. Thank you so much to all the people that have generously contributed so far, already wildly beyond my expectations. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of the discussion about Professor Layton and the Curious Village, it's worth noting and discussing how we actually played these games because James and I actually played them a little differently. And although I think ultimately it's not a huge difference, it's definitely worth mentioning. Yeah, so this game is on a couple of different systems. Of course, the original DS release, um, and there's actually been an, uh, uh, an Android port in recent years. So 
Uh, Patrick played the DS release for this episode, and I played through the Android port, which uh, has some updated sprite work um, and a couple of new cutscenes at the start and the end. Nothing major, I had a look at what they were, um, but they do kind of help to tie the start and the end together. Um, and other than that, I think the game is basically exactly the same, um, just with the exact same sprites, just not, you know, uh, downscaled to hell and back for the DS release. So um, I can, you know, confidently say that I think the, you know, the Android port is probably the best and easiest way to play it nowadays, um, unless you, you know, have an access to an old DS um, or, you know, want to get one off eBay um, or, of course, emulate. So... Uh, I had zero problems with this version, um, fully endorsed that version. Well, the main difference, James, is that I didn't actually play on the original hardware. I emulated it. So I did want to ask, I guess, how this game functions as a handheld versus um, on PC. Because, you know, with the Nintendo DS emulation, you're using your mouse as a stylus, essentially. There's This isn't an action game. You're not really using the buttons except to... Uh, advanced text but this is a game that does make liberal use of the stylus i thought it worked completely fine on the pc the only thing that was a little awkward was the need to draw letters and numbers when you know because i'm using a keyboard i could have just typed them three thousand times easier but uh, aside from that, I think that emulating it doesn't have any major downsides. No, on the phone, with the numbers, like, you just enter, you click on the field and you type the number on the phone. Um, oh, so unless you type, yeah, I had to, like, draw a six or draw a Really? Four. Yeah, and it was it was fairly good at figuring it out. Like, if you started drawing, like, the top part of a four, it was able to identify that shape as a four. But it was a little awkward at times and not as smooth as it could yeah, be. So no, it sounds like, yeah, it, it is clearly better to be able to just type in the numbers. Yeah, yeah. I, f I found the touch controls perfect, honestly. Um, doing this, you can circle, you know, there's circling and moving blocks around with the touch screen, which is just, you know, the bottom half of your phone. Um, yeah, and uh, those, those more things where you're sliding the blocks around would feel better on a phone because you're able to kind of more easily use two touch points at once. Whereas with the with the mouse, you can only use one touch point. Yeah. So it, it does sound, given the option, it is better to use the phone version than emulate it. The Nintendo DS is one of those consoles where having a physical console or an Android phone, like a touch screen, is going to make a tangible difference. Yes. So yeah, definitely go for the um for the Android version if given the choice. So let's get into Professor Layton, The Curious Village. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you all a setup for the game. Uh, this is basically no spoilers. It's just the first um, 15 minutes or so of the game. Um, we'll, then we'll talk about structure a little bit before diving more heavily into story spoilers and gameplay. So uh, just to re reset for a second. Uh, so Professor Layton, The Curious Village is a puzzle game. It was developed by a studio called Level 5 and was first released for the Nintendo DS in 2007. In the game, you play as Professor Layton and his assistant Luke. They kind of work as a team in this game. And they've been summoned to a small town by someone called Lady Dahlia, who is the widow of the Baron who ruled the town. This Baron was very fond of puzzles, obsessed with puzzles, and upon his death, he launched the grandest puzzle of them all. Whoever was to find the mysterious golden apple would become the sole owner of his fortune. Many tried and many failed, and all these years later, the golden apple was yet to be found. 
So while this golden apple thing isn't directly relevant to your summons, it certainly frames the context for a lot of what is going on in the town. So you arrive at this little village and things almost immediately get weird. Everyone in the town speaks in strange ways and is obsessed with puzzles. There's a giant tower spiraling into the sky and the moat gets closed off behind you, locking you in the town. And when I first started this game, I was like, huh, this game is just straight up ripping off Pathologic, right, James? <laughs> really? <laughs> that, was, that was your uh, That was, your that first was my initial impression. It's like, wow, there's a big mysterious tower. Wow, I'm trapped in the town with no way out. Definitely Pathologic, one of the core inspirations <laughs> of this game. Yeah, I can't believe it ripped it off. <laughs> so, so you get into the town and it's strange. The town is strange. Strange things keep happening that makes no sense. And there seems to be a weird villain lurking in the wings that you're getting little hints about. So it's up to you to do what you're told to move the story along, which is a lot of, um, at least to begin with, moving from place to place, being told to go to another place to investigate something and then going back and forth between those places. Um, you need to get through the village by solving lots of puzzles, with puzzles being the thing impeding your progress. And uh, you're not using bullets or uh, swinging a sword to get through this town. You're solving puzzles. So that's the basic setup. You're at the town. There's a mystery, lots of mysteries, and you have to kind of piece together those mysteries by the end of the game. Does that seem like a fair summation of the starting point of the game, James? Yeah, I think it does. In terms of structure, I think the game has a lot of separation between what's actually happening in the story and what you're doing in the puzzles, because uh, this game, it's got a very high density of puzzles, and like I'd say the ratio of gameplay to story is quite heavily in the favor of gameplay. Um, you'll basically, what will happen is you'll move between screens and then using the touch screen you'll tap on the environment to get little descriptions of you know from the main characters about what they're seeing um, and like 80 percent of the time when you tap on something it triggers a puzzle so uh, you'll tap on something uh, a villager will say hey i've got this puzzle solve it and you'll launch into a puzzle for the next you know five minutes or so and upon which you know has nothing to do um you know it's very self-contained it's not to do with the environment of the town you're in it's like they handed you a book with puzzles and selected one from them um and upon completing said puzzle you know you'll go back to the exploration screen you'll click on another character and immediately you know go into another puzzle i'd say uh puzzle solving is the vast majority of the gameplay in this one and there's actually surprisingly less story than i was expecting because i've played one of these games before um i believe it was miracle mask and in that game i think the story to puzzle ratio leaned a lot more in favor of story whereas here it's very very narrowly focused on puzzle solving yeah and to give you some more context for how this actually happens like you'll move to a screen so you'll move to the screen with the church there'll be a person standing in front of the church and that person might be a um, they might be a laundry person. You'll click on them and they'll say, "Man, I sure would like to move, but I'm having trouble figuring out how best to organize my delivery of laundry to these five different people." Then the puzzle will come up, and it'll be a puzzle about um, 
you know, doing laundry in a particular order so everyone's happy. Sometimes that's the Sometimes. case. Sometimes it's like, I want to do my job, but man, I just can't do this puzzle about something completely unrelated. <laughs> well, you'll, um, you'll click on a candle and Luke will say, man, this reminds me of a puzzle about candles. And yeah. then you'll launch into a puzzle about candles. But there, there are big leaps there, but there is something usually, there is a line or two linking your attempt to progress through the game before you launch into the puzzle mm. and i have to say i actually really enjoyed this like very gameplay heavy focus that this game had i found it quite refreshing honestly that all the dialogue is very succinct and very you know to the point of moving you to the next puzzle quite quickly there is a bit of like non-linearity in how you do the puzzles but um, you know, I, the, the, I really appreciated the density here, right? Like I was, I chose this game for this, you know, this week to play puzzles and that's what the game gave me for the most part. Can I ask you, James, because as I was playing through this game, I was pondering this. For me, um, I would have preferred if this was just a menu with 130 puzzles and there was no broader story linking things together at all. Um, do you think, is that too extreme or do you think I'm on the money? I think that's probably too extreme. I think it's less, I think it's less that I appreciate the story and it's more that I appreciate there being a bit of downtime between the puzzles. Um, I think that that's kind of important. If you just have like puzzle after puzzle after puzzle there's a kind of i feel like there's a kind of fatigue that'll set in and you sure you could just put the game down for a while and come yeah. back to it but um you know i don't really want to take a five minute break i want to take like a 30 second break so so for me those those breaks are just mandatory painful breaks that i have to sit through before i get to the good part of the game and i'm able to take breaks when i choose i guess so while i agree with you that the density of the puzzles is a good thing and i do you know i want it so dense that the story gets removed altogether because <laughs> we'll get into it later but i wasn't super fond of the story um i think the contextualization is really good so the way each puzzle is presented is really enjoyable but i would have preferred literally a menu and i just click from puzzle one to puzzle two to puzzle three or you know there are different ways to do menus but i would have preferred just a menu layout this was my uh, least favorite part of Ace Attorney by far, the bit where you move between screens. And here it is also my least favorite part of the game. I think it's a lot less. And I think there's like so few instances in this game where you're like wandering around aimlessly, not knowing what to do. Like it's always. Mm -hmm, that's true. It's so obvious what where you have to go. Like it's almost. I don't think it's even possible to get lost in this game, basically. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's not the same, but yes, even still, I I don't really think it adds much of value to the game, at least for me. But you know, that's my extreme take, and we'll. I well, I strongly disagree. I think um, with that, I think I enjoyed the game more because of the inclusion of everything. I think the narrative, I think, was a bit mm, ho hum and not very great. But I think there's a lot of charm in the town with the characters and, you know, what they say and what they look like um, that gives it a bit of an endearing quality that I really appreciated. Then that kind of, mm. I think the visual design um, of this game is very, it's like one person doing doodles in a notebook, right? It's that, like... It's caricatures, right? Yeah. Like, it's like he's created caricatures for a day in a park and then he's put them in the game. 
So it's a lot of exaggerated features. Yes, yeah. And I think that carries through to, it's a very simple art style that carries through to the puzzles as well that have a lot of visual elements in them. Um, and I found it kind of charming. I liked it. And, you know, I thought the the whole package together really came together for me. Yeah. Should, do you want to just get straight into story, James? Because maybe I can better explain yeah, of why, course. why I felt this way. So what I'm going to say is, are you happy for us to launch straight into spoilers? Because I, I feel like I need to talk about this story in a holistic way. Uh, can you skirt around it at all, I guess? I don't, uh, I'll probably... do my best. I'll do my best. Okay. So I guess uh, to start with, at least, so in the early game, I found that the story was very meandering mm. um you get to the town and then someone's I, I think i can spoil this uh someone's cat leaps out of someone's arms and you have to follow the cat to get the cat back yep and i mean i understand that we've just arrived in the town but i was like what are we doing this is so <laughs> uninteresting following a cat round to retrieve the cat i know this is the intro quest but you just just don't don't have this just get get right to the good stuff this is a mystery game there's no need to have the following the cat as part of your game. And I feel like this meandering kind of tone kind of exists for the first half or so of the game before it finally starts dropping some interesting mysteries at you and you start actually pursuing the main mystery. So I guess that would be my first point, James. I think that the story has pacing issues at the start, although in its defense, it does pick them up as it gets towards the end. Yeah, uh... Honestly, the game had this kind of like relaxed tone to me that I think these kinds of things, I think this kind of like slow paced progression at the start sort of emphasizes that. Honestly, I found like walking around and talking to people uh, to be the better part of the story, the worst parts to be, the, I found the mystery elements to be quite poorly done, honestly. Um, I think most of them felt like not the last one but the one in the middle kind of felt like it came out of nowhere my my problem is that i think that they did an interesting job setting up some of these mysteries but the resolutions were profoundly unsatisfying yeah I, like i, I would didn't agree with feel that. i wasn't very happy when i discovered the resolution of the mystery it was kind of like and i think we're kind of getting to the heart of my issue with this game is that it's like a g-rated game this is a game with no edge to it at all and <laughs> i'm a massive sherlock holmes fan like i love them i just actually saw a theater production called sherlock holmes and the mystery of the valkyries which was incredible and the thing about sherlock holmes is that sherlock holmes and the stories of sherlock holmes have an edge to them like sherlock holmes is a drug drug addict he shoots up opium and heroin he's dealing with the seedy criminal underbelly etc etc and while they're still mostly not you know they're not stories filled with gore they are stories filled with bad people bad characters and Holmes and watson themselves are flawed characters that are struggling through their relationship as the story goes on there is nothing in Professor Layden that gets close to that because at its heart, it's a children's story. So I think, and I think that a lot of the potential menace of this story and what they could have done with it has been gutted because to go down that kind of slightly darker path would have mean that it's an inappropriate story for children. This strikes me less of a criticism on the game and more of a like preference thing, honestly. Like, 
I don't think this game is trying to do that kind of thing at all. Um, I don't even know if it would be correct for it to do that. Like, I think it's trying to cast quite a broad net because puzzles are all ages kind of thing. So mm. I think it's like the right, you know, decision for this game to have this very approachable kind of story for everyone. Um, do I love it? No, I don't particularly. I think in particular the villain suffers from this. He's barely a character. He's a mustache twirler, like literal like mustache Like actual, twirler. yeah, who has like yeah. zero characterization. I, I think the villain's the worst part of the story. I think the final major reveal, I guess, or, or like the main one in the tower, when it happened I was like, uh, and then they kind of like over the next few puzzles like doled out a bit of explanation as to how that main twist kind of factored into the rest of the story and i was like oh i guess i can kind of see it but it did did feel a little silly honestly i want to dive into spoilers now so full spoilers if you deeply care about the story and professor layton recommend you stop listening now but for me at least if i'd known the story completely at the start it wouldn't have massively ruined my enjoyment i don't think no so but you have been warned um so the reason I say that, James, and yeah, I'm not trying to say this should be a dark, gritty tale. However, we do have elements of detective fiction in here, like with a apparent murder and there's like a kidnapping and you get these insinuations that people are not who they seem. And the resolution to all of these is kind of like very pleasant and ho-hum. Whereas I think that they could have done something like, for example, made uh, not everyone, I'm, I'm just going to say, it, everyone in the village is a, uh, is a robot, right? And that's why they all love puzzles so much. Wouldn't it be more interesting if some of the people in the village were robots and the others were living in this dystopian nightmare? Is it a dystopian nightmare? <laughs> Uh, it would have been more interesting. I, I guess I just don't find this kind of hap this happy, cutesy shit particularly compelling. And I don't think, I, I just can't, can't, there's nothing to seek my teeth into here. And you say it's pleasant and relaxing, I get that. But to me, it's not pleasant and relaxing, it's boring and unengaging. So I found the story to be a bit of a wet fart because I... The, yeah, it kind of just um, died with a whimper because everything was all happy in the end and the villain was defeated and everything was good and fine and dandy. Yeah, I kind of don't think the story made me like the game more. Like, the actual main plot, I think, is quite poor. I just think that everything else, like the the tone and the aesthetic, is kind of pleasant, basically. Yeah, I can I can get on board with that. You're saying that you enjoyed the atmosphere i guess of being in being in the place yeah i didn't really care for the story itself i thought the twists were kind of poorly done i really didn't like that the solving of the twists was done in cutscenes and not like i think you should have gotten all of the um the evidence or like the clues that would lead you to the big reveals and then the game mm -hmm. should have started a puzzle that you solve and then you get the answer that would have almost been... like ace attorney right yeah exactly basically um i think if they had actually made it a puzzle in game it pro and like then because if because because it all makes more sense to you if you put it together yourself i think i think mm -hmm. the the elements of the robot reveal are all there um i just think that it's a bit funky to have it all dumped on you um in this like one line of dialogue 
you also it's also very heavily weighted towards the end like you have a bunch of mysteries and probably like seven of them get solved in the last hour of gameplay yeah um and they're not all it's not even like they're all intricately connected like they they are all related but there was no reason that it couldn't have been uh doled out more over time i guess uh, yeah i i get what you're saying i get you enjoyed the atmosphere which is probably why you enjoyed the structure of going from town to town for me the atmosphere of the town was kind of i don't know was okay but it was such a plotting pace with the way you had to yeah. move through dialogue and everything and i thought the story was just too g-rated for me to actually get any actual enjoyment out of this and i do admit this that is definitely a preference thing like as you said i know there's a lot of people who really enjoy this aesthetic and i don't mean to take anything away from them but for me it just didn't i didn't didn't connect for me didn't do anything yeah that's fair um i think at least like is it it's like not a huge downside to the game for you right like it's there's not so much story that you're constantly like i hate this yeah and that's that's actually a really good point as well the because the gameplay to story ratio is so heavily in favor of gameplay the story being mediocre doesn't hurt the experience that much yeah. and it, it's kind of like the inverse of um a lot of the jrpgs and those <laughs> kinds of games we've done where i think that the experience with the gameplay is actually the majority of playing the game but people down, tend to downplay that aspect of the video game which is what you're actually engaging with for me the gameplay is good and you are primarily engaging with the gameplay in this game so overall my feeling is is much more positive so although we are complaining although i am complaining about the story <laughs> here it is not uh it's it's such a small part of the experience that it's not as massive a criticism as it may sound yeah so um let's do a quick music break i think um so mm -hmm. for music it's interesting so i have mixed feelings about the soundtrack i think that um one there's one song on the whole soundtrack that you hear so much that i constantly turned the music off and that is the theme that plays in the puzzles um the theme that plays in the puzzles is a minute and 30 seconds long <laughs> which isn't that bad actually compared to some games we've played uh, ape escape uh, comes to mind uh, the problem is that within this one minute and 30 there is a lot of repetition of this like you know six note high pitch bit of music uh it was dry it like it just stuck in my ear and was driving me nuts i basically would always turn the sound off after like the second puzzle while playing this. Um, it was very frustrating and I've seen this complaint around online after looking this up, um, which is annoying because I actually think that the rest of the music in the town is quite nice. There's a lot of accordion in the mix. Um, it's very relaxing and kind of, you know, it fits this like European aesthetic that the game's going for. So it's a bit frustrating to have, you know, had the music off for most of the game because when it was good, it was quite good, I thought. Was there a separate music toggle on the Android version? I don't know because I was actually just using my phone's volume. Um, I didn't actually yeah. look that up. Is because I, I was going to say I mostly did the same and it was kind of disappointing because there's a great, uh, there is some great sound effects when you actually solve a puzzle where it goes like the ticking of a clock uh and it lets you know if you get it right or wrong which i quite liked but yeah i just agree with your criticism of the music it's just 
on an endless repetitive loop and some of these puzzles i was stuck on for a very, very long, long time. time yeah yeah the, the <laughs> sliding puzzles yes <laughs> yeah yeah so definitely hearing it non-stop was very painful so i think the only thing that's fair to do is to uh expose our listeners to that same track i agree so please enjoy the uh the puzzle music i i won't force you to listen to it like four times in a row like uh, <laughs> that but that would be the most accurate you know way to experience it but you know it, it's because it's it's a bit weird because i don't think the song itself is gonna like, it's not that bad when you listen to it but if you listen to it for like half an hour straight it drives you nuts so this is the puzzle theme Right, that was the puzzle theme. You probably found that fairly pleasant compared to, you know, how you <laughs> feel about it a few hours in, but um, I assure you it is a bit of an earworm after a while. So let's get to talking about said puzzles because they are the heart and soul of this game. And I actually thought they were really good. I There's like 120, 130 puzzles in the game and I can probably name, you know, three or less that I didn't like. Um, there's a lot of variety here, and I think I really don't want to skip out on this fact. I think all of the puzzles have fantastic visual design um, and are presented uh, very well to the player to the point where I think there's a lot of enjoyment to be had just looking at the puzzles when you load into them for the first time. This is actually extremely important. Uh, puzzles can be abstracted down to numbers and words and grids and lines in a lot of instances. They can. Um, and if you look at some modern puzzle games like The Witness, The Witness is a puzzle game I love to pieces. However, The Witness is a very sterile game. It doesn't have any character or person. Well, it does have it does have character does and personality, but is it is a very specific kind of character and personality. And I would say 
sterile laboratory like is probably as good a description of the witness as any obviously great care was put into its construction but it is a bunch of line puzzles because that is the method that they wish to um you know put all their puzzles in professor layton's puzzles are bursting at the seams with the same personality that uh characterizes the village and the storytelling but in this context, I absolutely adore them because it's it's done in such a fun and interesting way. It makes the puzzles easier to comprehend. And every single puzzle has a little narrative attached to it. Yeah, I really appreciated that. There, Like you said, there's a real risk of having these all blend together. But every single one is just like so well designed visually. Like um, there's little characters, there's the, you know, the description of the puzzle. Um, you know, we'll reference the characters and explain what they're doing. Um, there's, you know, a lot of color and creativity. There's a lot of, like, interaction in some of these puzzles. For example, uh, one of the one I liked involved a set of scales and some weights, and you can actually, like, pick up the weights and put them on the scales and watch them balance, um, stuff like that. There's, you know, there's clocks where you can spin uh, the hands on the face of the clock, um, there's, you know, all sorts of little things as puzzles with matchsticks where you need to move them around. And I was constantly impressed at how many of the puzzles that have these really intricate, you know, you need to circle a specific part about them, just how accurate and consistently the, you know, the game was able to register what you were typing in. Um, I think, um, another, like to give another example, uh, there's a puzzle where you have a watchman and he needs to patrol through a uh, museum and it's basically a little it's it's a box grid with nine parts and he needs to be able to move through all nine parts of this uh, museum and you have to draw him moving through these nine parts of the museum in the least possible lines and this is the kind of puzzle that if they had chosen could just be a box and the boxes draw you know occupy all the boxes with the line in the least possible steps but by putting a watchman with a nightcap and a torch and having these, this square grid look like a museum, all of a sudden you're enraptured with this little story that it's trying to tell. And the puzzle becomes a lot more interesting to solve because of it. Yeah, I cannot overstate enough how much better this makes the game. I think that had they not done this, like like half of the charm, you know, there's so much charm and personality in all of these. Like it's just an absolute delight every single time. Um, I really appreciated that. Um, so there's also, there's a lot of different puzzle types too, I found. I think we can break them down into, you know, uh, probably like four to seven categories kind of thing. So Yeah, we can't be comprehensive because there are some kind of very, very unique, unique ones, ones in here, but there are a few that have, uh, I guess, overlapping thematic structure. Yeah. So, uh, so what we thought we'd do is we just go into a few of them to give you an idea of what kinds of puzzles that you have. Yeah, so there are ones that I guess I would classify as riddles um, that have almost trick answers to them that try to, like, they really test your reading comprehension and, like, lateral thinking, uh, your ability to think outside the box. Some of these sometimes feel a bit bullshit, <laughs> but for the most part I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense after getting to the end of them. Yeah, so uh, we're going to spoil a few puzzles from from the game, but like we said, there are 130, so I don't think we're ruining the game by doing this. So here's an example of one of the lateral thinking puzzles. Too many mice. 
Mice are famous for their ability to multiply at breakneck speeds. The type of mouse we have here gives birth once a month, birthing 12 babies each time. Baby mice mature and can give birth two months after they are born. So that's your setup information. You pick up one of these darling baby mice at the pet shop and brought it home the day after it was born. In 10 months from now, so remembering that baby mice mature and can give birth two months after they were born, how many mice will you have? Now, the game does this thing quite a lot, actually, where it presents a puzzle, and on the surface, it seems like basically a math puzzle. You need to take the numbers that are given to you and work out, you know, you know, with those numbers, what the end result is. The thing with this one, however, is that the main character of this puzzle only brought home a single mice, which could not, you know, uh, give birth without a partner. So the answer is actually <laughs> just one because you don't get any more. So uh, the game does this quite a lot, actually, but it doesn't always do this critically. There are actual number puzzles, so you kind of have to, like, be on your toes to be work out whether it's trying to trick you or whether you legitimately have to do the math. Which And it does these lateral thinking puzzles, not just with numbers. It does it with a lot of the line puzzles as well. It does it probably, I don't know, one third to half of the puzzles will have a little wrinkle in them that if you're not paying close attention to reading the question, you're going to get tripped up. And I actually really like this. I like that these these puzzles and riddles were interspersed with more i guess traditional logic puzzles mm. i found most of them to be pretty funny actually there was one mm. the one with the candles i kept trying to do it the the count the proper way and then was like oh my god uh once i worked out the answer uh there was a couple of these but they're, they're quite funny um and actually like when i you know read reviews of this game they always talk about these ones um with you know some part fondness some part hatred <laughs> i'm i'm very fond of them i Me think too. the game wouldn't be the same without them and i think that encouraging you to read the question carefully and think laterally um is a really good thing with puzzles games in mm. general like that's uh, in puzzle games when you make that sweet insight that pushes you over the edge that's always what feels the best and i think that this in this kind of structure of the game this is the same, the equivalent of that. So yeah, big fan of that style of puzzle, and I think they're essential to the identity of this game. Yep. Um. So there are then some more like mechanical kinds of puzzles. Like there's some block pushing ones where you have to get like you have to jiggle some blocks around with the touch screen to get a ball from one side to the other. Um. There's stuff like uh. There's multiple choice answer ones. I think probably my favorite class of puzzle. Um, is this one that came out quite regularly. Um, you know, uh, there's not a lot of repeated puzzles in this game. There's a couple where you see the same thing, but a bit harder, maybe yeah, a couple of times. But for the most part, most of them are quite unique. But there's this one class of puzzle I saw all the time that involved a bunch of, I guess, you had a, a lineup of like five people, and then you had a set of bits of information that you could use to determine what the answer was. So my example for this is called Five Suspects. So it goes, Five suspects are called into police headquarters for questioning. They give the following statements. A. One of us five is lying. B. Two of the five of us is lying. C. I know these guys, and three of the five of us are lying. 
D, don't listen to a word they say. Out of the five of us, four are lying. And E, all five of us are dirty, rotten liars. Um, the police only want to release the suspects who are telling the truth. How many people should they let go? And you go through and you use each of these individual statements and you find, you know, where the, the contradictions are and which how they line up. And I think this is probably my favorite kind of puzzle, um, which gets used quite a bit. And they do them in all sorts of different contexts, but I just really like the process of like working out, you know, which bits are related to the other and kind of untangling the truth from the lies. And I think this reveals something that's actually very cool about a lot of the puzzles in this game is that there is a logical way to work through to the conclusion. None of these puzzles are so difficult that you're presented with this insurmountable challenge and you're unsure even to how you're meant to go about solving this. With this, it's very simple. You can start at statement A and then go to statement B and kind of think through in your head if that makes sense. And then if it, if it doesn't, you're like, okay, I'm going to go through to the next one and you keep chipping away. And I think that most of the, uh, I guess, written puzzles in these games offer you a path to the solution if you sit there and think about it. There's very few where you'll be being like, I don't even know how to begin trying to solve this. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of puzzles that I like. Uh, uh, and, to, and to add to that, the game actually has a hint system. So when you're exploring the town, as you're clicking on the environment, some objects will give you hint coins. Um, and every puzzle generally has three hints. And to get the first hint, you spend one hint coin, the second, the second hint, you know, second coin, and the third, the third coin. And they get a bit more obvious. Although uh, hint three base doesn't always, doesn't, you know, give you the answer outright but you generally yeah you generally will if you get that get that stuck but the game kind of understands that puzzles if you get stuck on them they can be immensely frustrating so it does give you a way to kind of you know kick you into the right direction if you get really stuck which i appreciated and and, I, and the game is pretty smart at putting the harder puzzles into optional areas. Yes. So most of the really difficult puzzles that might stone you wolf you for a while, completely optional. Like figuring out, um, you know, there's this one early on that has a clock and it says, uh, how often over the course of a day would the clock have three numbers in a row that are the same? Yes. It's like, no, you don't need to sit down with a pen and paper and try and figure this out. You can just not do this if you don't want to. That's not a puzzle you must complete yeah and if you do miss puzzles the game is quite nice about it uh there is this house you can go to that stores all of the puzzles you missed because of course time progresses in this game uh, and every day you know people will have different puzzles so the ones you miss you can always go back and do at this one you know riddle house um which is quite nice yeah, I'm grateful for I went back there every time. Yeah. Because the puzzles are fun. So you, you don't, it's not like you're trying to rush through this game. You're trying to go from puzzle to puzzle to hit every single one. Yeah. At least that's how I played. Yeah, me too. I, um, I found it very enjoyable to go through them. So uh, there are puzzles like there's a bunch of streets and there's three houses and it's like these three occupants hate each other. How do they get to work every day and not cross each other's paths? And you have to like, 
draw the different routes and then press submit to see if it's you know correct or not and i kind of like when you hit submit in this game it shows this like animation of the characters like mm. thinking and there's like this bit of tension there like where you're like oh did i get it right did i get it wrong yes um, tick tick tock tick <laughs> yeah and you're like no and you're yeah. like uh and then you're like uh oh, was it a trick puzzle all along did i waste my time yeah uh, so sometimes i was just being stupid it wasn't even a trick puzzle yeah but, uh, yeah um the other type of puzzle i want to talk about which is a big part of the game yeah the i guess you'd call them visual or shape puzzles these are ones that require you to draw lines or identify um characteristics of shapes like how many triangles are in this larger triangle or what is the distance uh, of this triangle inside this circle or uh, one of my favorites is the pig pen partition where you've got all of these pigs arranged amongst a bunch of uh, fence poles and you have to use a certain number of uh, fences to cut to divide them up so no pig is in the same fences as any other once again it's an example of something that could have been done without any character but the addition of those illustrations goes a long way to contextualizing these puzzles um i quite like these as well i liked these uh as a change of pace from the wordier or number based puzzles being able to do drawings and use your visual shape puzzle solving skills was a nice change of pace i basically never had this feeling that was like oh my god another one of this kind of puzzle because they like they're spread out so well and there's so many different types i felt like i was always seeing a different one um mm. and there would be like three or four puzzles before i saw a similar one again and those riddle puzzles are all like so distinct from each other that i don't like i don't it doesn't feel samey when those come up a lot um it's not like it throws five riddle puzzles at you in a row either yeah They're evenly distributed throughout the game yeah i think the only time i maybe had that feeling was near the end of the game in the tower there's these two particularly tricky block puzzles like almost in a row um, and we're talking about this sliding puzzles here right yes um, i feel the sliding puzzles are almost in a category of their own um the one that drove me the one that i ended up giving up on was an optional one with a worm in the apple i don't know if you found that one no i didn't find that one <laughs> consider yourself lucky because that one was just a complete nightmare but i do think you could still make progress on those sliding puzzles but my problem with those is that it didn't really feel like you had a clear plan from start to finish for me it was about trying things and, and eventually it things <laughs> kind of worked out i'd be like okay i know i'm on the right track but there'd be so much just endless endless sliding and sliding and sliding and those are the ones that i was stuck on for the longest by far yeah me too i mean i liked them enough like it felt good to get through them um i think the ones i liked being stuck on for a long time um there was this one near the end where there were all there was this wooden board with a bunch of nails in it um mm. arranged in a grid and it said if you wrap string around these you should be able to make seven different squares without reusing any of the nails more than once um and i spent ages on that last one trying to find all seven um but that i like i was engaged with it the whole time i wasn't like getting mad or frustrated it was just like you know just a matter of trying things and seeing how so, it went so that one specifically actually pissed me off big time Did it? because <laughs> yeah so you can set up the pegs so you have um 
squares inside squares yeah like that you create patterns of diamonds and squares uh just with the things overlaying one another and the thing that's frustrating about that is you can come to a solution that has uh... i guess is not the intended solution but still has squares and diamonds and the phrasing of the question just says make seven squares and I guarantee that there have been other questions throughout the game that would have been like, yes, this is a lateral thinking puzzle. You have created a square because there is a square on the grid and you can see the square. But for this one, it wouldn't accept that as a valid answer. I don't think it happens that often, though. No, it's rare, but it was specifically that one where I didn't even know what it was trying to get at because I was like, yeah, I figured it out. I made the squares. You can see the squares on the screen. I've done it. <laughs> And I, I think I was just so angry about the fact that it wasn't accepting it as a solution that I, you know, stonewalled my brain and then <laughs> used a couple of hints. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that that one in specifically I found annoying. <laughs> okay. The only, honestly, the only puzzle in the whole game that I absolutely hated and um, didn't think was good was this one where it's like there's this long length of rope and there's all these coins like scattered about it <laughs> and if you pull the rope taut it'll push the coins to either side and it, it doesn't even feel like a puzzle it's just like a try it's just like an exercise in like you actually just have to go through and like you know figure out which side is which like it seemed more tedious busy work than actually solving a if puzzle you, if you literally just follow the rope on one side you can figure it out yeah <laughs> That's literally all you need to do. Just follow the rope on one side and count all the coins that are on that yeah, side. Yeah, that's not a puzzle, and there's like 20 coins, yeah? It takes like... <laughs> and it's a, few, a big it's squiggly so rope. And yeah. It, yeah, it's it's a pain in the butt, <laughs> yeah. There are a few of those maze-like puzzles, but I agree that wasn't a very good one. Yeah. Um, but luckily, the good thing about this game is that having a bad puzzle doesn't really hurt the experience because you can just cheat with hints whenever you feel like it. And you get so many hint coins that, at least for me, I was swimming in hint coins, even after using a few. And listen, I definitely used a few over the course yeah. of the game. When I was getting frustrated or I wasn't sure what I was going, get, getting at, I was definitely using hints. A lot of the time I could do it without hints, but they're there for a reason. Um, I wanted to progress through the game. So when I was completely lost, I used them. And I think that the system they have in there is good. The first hint doesn't tell you the answer, but it pokes you in the right direction. And I think uh, hints two and three pretty much do give you the answer in a lot of instances, just because these puzzles aren't crazy complicated. So once once you've been pointed in the right direction, there's really not much more to the puzzle. Mm, I'd agree with that, yeah. But like on the whole, I'm really happy with this game's puzzles. Um, I found it very easy just to sink a few hours in one go, just like puzzle after puzzle after puzzle um i the the fact that it's very tactile like you know just sitting on my phone you know pushing blocks around or whatever or moving coins trying to figure out how to rearrange these matchsticks to make a certain shape um they're very you know they're so different and varied and the, the solutions are generally quite you know logical um it's just fun right like i really thought that they had a good puzzle design going in this game um james i i have a confession to make i binged through this entire game in three days yeah <laughs> like i was i was having so much fun playing through it that i just kept playing it and playing it and playing it and then i downloaded the sequel 
and I'm about halfway through the <laughs> Like the the puzzles in this game are fantastic. Like they're nice and simple and well presented. You feel enormously satisfied upon solving it and you immediately want to go to the next one. Like I said, my only problem is that there's story bits in between. If if I could literally just do all these puzzles in a row with no downtime whatsoever, I'd be in heaven. Yeah. Like it's just it's just simple, uh, digestible fun. It's it's great. Yeah, I, I really liked my time with this one. Honestly, there's not a heap to talk about this game other than the puzzles and the story. There's like, mm. and I honestly, I want to drive home that that's to the game's credit. Um, it's a very focused experience. There's like, there's little, you know, things to collect around the village. There's these, there's these three sort of puzzles in your briefcase or in the main menu: the gizmos, the painting, and the inn. And you kind of get little, you know. You get bits of the painting as you play the game, and you get bits of the the contraption as you play the game, and that'll um, eventually unlock more puzzles. Yeah, which is, you, <laughs> you know, know not a bad thing. thing because the puzzles are fun. So yeah, so you know, like I liked most of the music in this game, other than the one you hear the most. Uh, I like the visuals, the story. You know, it could be a lot better than it is, but you know, I like the cast, um, and I love the puzzles. So. I think we're getting to final impressions here. This was a pretty we fun game. Um, yeah, well, I guess we'll just launch straight into it. Um, I heartily recommend Professor Layton, which may be an odd thing to say after I came out bashing the story so strongly. But the truth is the story is such a minimal part of the game. And I think that it's a, it makes an interesting contrast to something like Ace Attorney. So I played through the new Ace Attorney game not too long ago, and oh my god, it is belabored to the point of it being ridiculous. Like, it takes so long to get to the fun parts of the game, and everything is so overstated and overblown. The game takes hours and hours to play through. This is like the polar opposite. Even when you're in the story bits, they tend to be shortened to the point. Characters only say one or two sentences. And the game is stuffed to the gills with puzzles. So often you you are literally going doing three or four puzzles in a row with only one or two lines of dialogue in between. And the puzzles are bloody great. So because of that, even though I'm not a fan of the story and I'm not particularly endeared to the atmosphere, on the basis of its and the strength and variety and contextualization of its story alone, this game is an easy recommend to anyone who enjoys puzzle games. You'll have a blast going through it, and you might even end up binging it like I did. I agree entirely with Patrick here. Um, this game is really great. Uh, I loved it from beginning to end. The density and quality of the puzzles cannot be, you know, overstated. They are all fantastic, um, except maybe, you know, three out of 130. <laughs> um, they have a lot of charm and character. And I just loved playing through this game, right? Um, every single puzzle has a lot of work put into it. They are visually distinct. They are like they feel distinct to control. This game really understands what it wants to be, and there is barely any baggage holding it back. Uh, and it just gets to be, you know, playing through a whole lot of puzzles in one go with a little bit of nice atmosphere and music on the side. So. To me, this was an absolute blast, and I really look forward to playing through the rest of the series. This one has definitely sold me um, on, you know, finishing the whole thing, I think, at some point. So, uh, you know, big recommend for this one. I think the Android port is very easily accessible, and if you have any, any interest in puzzle games, you know, this is a great one to try. 
the sequel also because i've started i can tell you the sequel does some cool things already like minor quality of life improvements which is really all the game needs in addition to its good puzzles it's got voice acting now for um for the regular lines of dialogue for like for all the characters which for everything is really yeah for everything yeah so that was a big step up actually and made me a bit more engaged with the story and you can basically press a button that says memo that lets you freely draw oh, over the puzzle you didn't which is oh i have that on the android version uh, yeah you have you can okay it really helps with some of the more visual ones you bring up like an overlay that you can doodle on yeah well, yeah ma- ma- yeah that that wasn't in the original at least not as far as i know unless i'm a klutz and missive i don't think so because it was a very obvious change in the second game so that that seemed like a big game changer. It's good that you already had access to it, though. I can see you appreciated it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think that the those extra puzzles, the ones that sit in your inventory, are much more engaging. Interesting, okay. Yeah, engaging in this one than they are in the original. Um, the puzzle quality is as good as ever, though. Um, if not better, I think the puzzles so far are even better. Really? Um, okay. It's, it's very good. Yeah. So, mm. um, I'm sh- I'm sure the uh the series like it, at the end of the day, as long as each entry in the series just throws a hundred odd cool puzzles at me, I'm going to be pretty happy with it. Yeah, I, I think you will. Okay, so I think. I think that about wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening to our episode on Professor Layton and the Curious Village. We are the Retrospectors Podcast. You can find all of our content on our website, which is rspodcast.net. It's got links to all 102 of our episodes, a bunch of articles that James and I have written, and all of our social media stuff, the most important of which is our Discord server. Our Discord server is where we do all of our interaction with our listeners and we take game suggestions. So if you have any critiques or any games that you'd like to see us play, we would love for you to drop by and drop us a suggestion. Finally, we also do have a Buy Me A Coffee page. We'll put a link to that in the show notes if you'd like to support the show monetarily. Mm-hmm. So James, you picked Professor Layton and the Curious Village, so now the dial has swung back to Yeah, me. you've got a lot to live up to, Patrick. <laughs> I know, we're going we're gonna to be doing something a little more... Uh, a little bit more my wheelhouse. We're going to be tackling the much-beloved cult classic by Arcane Studios' Arx Fatalis. This is a game that that studio made before Dark Messiah of Might and Magic. It's a first-person RPG where you're in a dungeon, a big, big, elaborate dungeon. And I've been fascinated by this one for a very long time, mostly because of the uh, magic system. I, I think it... I don't know if you remember, but when we did Eternal Darkness... um. We both really liked the rune system, yes. the way you created magic spells. I don't know the fine details, but I know that finding runes and encanting them in specific orders is how you cast spells in this mm. game. And apart from that, it seems to promise a unique dark fantasy slash immersive sim experience which is you know right up my wheelhouse uh so i'm very excited to see if the i guess more unpolished raw version of what arcane studios did in arcs fatalis and see how it matches up with dark messiah of modern magic yeah and we really liked that game i think well i did um i felt dark messiah yeah, yeah it was great it was a bit repetitive but i mean it was just a very fun game yeah like just very solid fun game yeah well, if janky as hell <laughs> well i'm interested in that way i tr- i um, historically haven't loved uh most of sim style games in the past i don't know 
if I can put, you know, my finger on exactly what it is that doesn't, you know, click with me. But if it's anything like Dark Messiah, I probably will enjoy it. So looking forward to this one. Yeah, we're, we're building backwards to System Shock 2, James. So. Unfortunately, it'll, it, it'll happen. It, it'll come. Maybe if I can get you on board for this one, you'll be more on board for System Shock 2. I guess we'll find out. Mm. Well, until then, see you in three weeks for Arctalis. See you then, guys. Bye.